For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Ricardo. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And we are keeping score. December, more turbulent and more significant than ever. End of a COVID-laden year like we've never had before. But deals are still happening. So let's go to them. Deal-making issues three to one. Three. Deal-making issue number three. It's a big deal. And we continue to get bigger. This is one of those things that you defy traditional analysis because you think of women's sports and it's bigger than ever. A fraction of the global value of all sports, 471 billion, women's sports revenues continue to be well under a billion dollars, according to a Deloitte study, increase in sponsorship and media right deals. A report calls for broadcasters to continue to invest in women's sports and on sponsors to capitalize on opportunities provided by female leagues and competitions to reach new audiences. The report also says major female events should take place in the largest stadiums available and that video content creators should elevate female athlete stories. Obviously a big deal. The numbers and disparities continue to grow. We'll see how we can fix that at the beginning of the year. And that's deal-making issue number three. Two. Number two. Nearly half of Americans think the Super Bowl should be played without fans, and most Americans don't think indoor sports as much as basketball should be played at all. Sports Communication Center at Marist College, as repeated and reported by Yahoo Sports, says the poll surveyed over 1,000 athletes in early December. Nearly half, 49%, think the Super Bowl should be played without fans, even though it's nearly two months away. 83% said fans either shouldn't be allowed at all or with restrictions. 16% thinks fans should be allowed in uh, without restrictions at all. 46% of respondents believe fans shouldn't be allowed into indoor sporting events of any kind. 56% of queried sports fans, indoor sports shouldn't be happening at all. And interestingly, almost half the polls' respondents, over half, 58%, said that government officials should be allowed to place restrictions on playing indoor sports on sports on account of the pandemic. A very interesting and very shocking survey in many respects. That's deal-making issue number two. One. Number one, college football bowl games being canceled in part due to lack of sponsorship deals. Holiday bowls, pinstripe bowl, New Mexico bowl, uh, relocated to Texas was that one, but 11 postseason bowls over canceled because of the pandemic. And Nick Carpelli, executive director of bowl season, told John Wall Street the scenario is not as it seems. Bowl games seemingly outperformed expectations, securing seven top-tier sponsorships during a difficult time. But the problem, he said, 
is secondary sponsorships. Those sponsors below the title and presenting sponsors tend to be local in nature and a big portion of the sponsorship bowl uh, figures. For perspective, the San Diego-based Holiday Bowl estimates 75% of its sponsorship revenue is local. That's deal-making issue number one. The pandemic has caused major issues in sponsorship. To talk about it, Jason Cole, CEO of Professional Sports Partners in Houston. The company specializes in strategic planning and activation for brands across the landscape in sports. Mattress Firm, 76 Gasoline, American Cancer Society, activations across the U.S. and elsewhere. The bottom line is there is nobody better positioned to talk about this issue as we head into the holidays. Here's Jason Cole. The company, Professional Sports Partners, as I understand it, specializes in strategic planning and activation for brands. Embellish that a little bit. What, what exactly, uh, what's the core? Sure. Give you a little bit of background. Uh, we are, we're eight years old, and uh, my background was on the team side. Works both in MLB and in the NBA, and I ran the sponsorship department for a team, and, and at that time, we worked with sponsors all around the country, and and all around the world, and we would see kind of the cyclical nature of partners. They would come in uh, excited to take advantage of sports in the past, and um, they would set it and, and let their partnership go and see how it performed, and then two, three years later, they would usually cycle out. Um, so our job as an agency is to work for brands to uh, help them get a return on objectives, uh, set real KPIs and invest in their partnerships because that's really the only way to ensure that it grows. You know, it used to be in the old days, I think, in the very old days, the um, the uh, property would connect with a at CEO to CEO level. Tell me, you know, more than anything else, uh, the biggest changes from the good old days to today. To today. So I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to be in the sponsorship world prior to 2008, um, which, you know, was heavily branding-based, kind of that good old boy uh, deal-making structure that you talked about. 2008 changed things. There was a lot lot more scrutiny on sponsorships, especially big-ticket sponsorship deals. And then, you know, we've had massive growth across almost all sports the past several years. Um, And then leading into the pandemic uh, this year, which is going to, you know, it's turned on the magnifying glass again on these deals. Um, it it uh, oftentimes you have to have all the deal points, the KPIs lined up to even get a deal considered for approval. So it's consistently gotten harder. And the digital side of things, which is so good at tracking and measuring, has uh, has ex- you know accelerated that whole process. But I will say, going back Rick, to your your first comment relationships still do deals. Um, that relationship is still paramount to, to getting things done. At the risk of paraphrasing a little bit, what I'm hearing is relationships do deals, but the deals have to stand on their own from a metrics perspective as well. No question about it. And, and so many of these deals live on, you know, based on media value and impressions, engagement, um, things like that on the digital side. But really, how are you how are you um, impacting the fan uh, fans' view of your brand? Are you are you moving them down the funnel to actually convert to a customer? 
Let's talk about the, the, the COVID conundrum uh, from a media perspective. We carried a story on our newsletter stuff that there's a Gen Z issue, a study by Whistlewise talked about roughly 65% of the 13 to 34-year-olds want to hear stories about athletes as opposed to the scores of games. It's a little bit of a change, but it also provides a lot more uh, platform for dynamic uh, digital stories way back in the old kind of Dick Ebersole storytelling Olympic days. Uh, yet the rights fees, I would think, are based largely on the scores and the competitive content of games. From a branding perspective, is that a dilemma, and what's the future of all this? Yeah, it's a good question and, and not an easy answer, so I'll, I'll try to take it piece by piece. Uh, storytelling is becoming more and more powerful. There's no question there. I mean, just look at the last dance. I mean, that that was timed perfectly, but the ratings were through the roof. Um, and then you look at athletes as brands, which the timing of that is also interesting. You've got uh, name image likeness coming on October 1st of 2021. So every college athlete is going to have all these opportunities to build their brand, tell their story, and turn that into real dollars. So um, athletes are becoming more and more influential. They're able to capitalize financially on their channels. And the truth is, you know, guys like LeBron James or women like um, Alex Morgan, they are media entities now. I mean, their YouTube channels, their social media platforms, all are producing content, um, at least the good ones are. On the media rights side, um, you know, that's interesting. The, you know, this year has been an anomaly because you've got the Masters happening during college and pro football. Everything is a little bit jumbled, and there's so much sports coming at us right now. But the thing that, you know, that we're seeing over and over is the only appointment viewing TV is still live sports, which is even a bigger gap than it had been five, six years ago. So you're seeing, I think, the SEC signed with ESPN for six times the value of their prior deal with CBS. So the rights are going up and sports betting, although maybe it's not being talked about as much mainstream, is going to, we think, increase TV viewership or at least consumption, which is going to cause higher rights fees, make the properties more valuable. Let's talk about the gambling fees for a minute and let's lump in esports and fantasy and all of that. Uh, you have a number of different kinds of clients. I noticed Mattress Firm and 76 Gasoline and American Cancer Society, which are three of the most diverse, uh, I would think, uh, client uh, bases you could have. Uh, what, what's your future prediction as far as uh, clients being involved in the gaming industry, gaming sponsorship? It's becoming more mainstream. Are brands starting to touch it more than they did a couple of years ago? And where's the trend going? Esports is is you know increasing at a, at a very high rate. The uh, the pandemic has accelerated that as well. Um, consumption, esports consumption, viewership is up, and more brands, particularly in the QSR space, are are diving in and investing a bigger part of their marketing budget in in esports. Uh, gaming is, I mean, it's we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg in, in terms of the explosion that's going to have. Um, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting changing the names of their networks to a 
um, a gaming entity, and that's just the start of things. Barstool Sports and Pen Gaming. Um, you're seeing free games, which attracts fans and gets them to watch longer. Um, that will eventually turn into uh, paid gaming and and having odds on your screen while you're you're watching a game. So so many so many different things are, are coming in that space. And then, you know, since you work with brands that directly invest in the sports entertainment partnerships uh, as well. What's changed in 2020 that'll impact that space moving forward? Yeah, that's something we're we're figuring out every day. Um, there's new assets that are being added all the time. Um, you know, I just was reading earlier the University of Minnesota is considering act, adding alcohol sponsorships to um, something that they they're allowed to sell. I mean, they're talking about putting their brand on a um, you know on a beer can, which you know. And NFL teams weren't even doing that no, uh, right. until recently. So you can just see how quickly that's moving. There's new signage inventory, these you know tarps and virtual signage that you're seeing in games now. That's not going to completely go away. This has opened the door to make that more readily available, and then that continues as as uh, you know the pandemic ends and fans come back in stadium. So let's talk about the pandemic as far as uh, whatever metrics and generalization you can provide as well. Uh, the valuation for brands during the pandemic, clearly there's been some value loss. We know there's some media increase. We talked about the last dance, but net, 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 how do you measure the loss in value? And is there a way to generalize how much it's been over the last year? Yeah, it's hard. We take it property by property. Um, you know, you look across the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys are, are allowing 25,000 fans. Most other stadiums are allowing zero, um, so there is a more severe loss of value with um, another team besides the Cowboys. But we're also looking at TV viewership and how that compares to, to prior years, uh, as well as all their other metrics. So I can't give you an exact number. I will say that um, it's changing every day. The, the losses are substantial. You know, for an NFL team to get anywhere near 100% of, uh, you know, maximizing their current sponsor value, it's just not going to happen. You're going to at least shave 25, 30% off your top line, which, as you know, is very significant. Do we think that's going to extend into and through the first quarter of 2021? And if so, you know, how long will it be uh, in 2021 until? Uh, brands start recovering their value. Obviously, we're asking you to be a world-class scientist relative to COVID, but you know, what's your thought? Yeah, I was just having a conversation with someone uh, at lunch about the same topic, and you know, how, once fans can come back in venues at 100%, um, does that mean they're going to come back in mass, or will habits have to you know change and slowly adjust? Um, I think that's going to be an interesting question to answer. First and second quarter are certainly going to be um, affected in a big way for 2021. Um, we're talking about the NHL right now, which I think is looking at a 56-game season, no fans in most cases, pods, so you're playing different teams. You're, you're seeing the NBA where you know the, the schedule is only has only come out for the first half of the season. So there's so many different changes. There's going to be massive impact, I would say, at least through 2021. And then, you know, we'll see what 22 and beyond look like. 
And so then the kind of nearer term, since this is the holiday season and everybody talks about bowls now, although it is a condensed period, we understand that the bowl season will be smaller, but it also will be constricted because we don't know who's going where (laughs) until two weeks later than we normally do. Having said that, uh, the bowl season is based on some brand analysis is a little bit different, right? Fans are more avid, uh, television's more important, fans may be in the stands, maybe less important. Uh, what kind of changes are in store for those metrics and measurement for this year? You know, in, in a normal year, there's always so much talk about bowl season. You know, are there too many bowls? You know, what are the, you know, what's all the different names of bowls? We work with a bowl in Mobile, Alabama called the Lending Tree Bowl, um, the game is on December 26th this year. The teams will be announced on December 20th, so it's a six-day, uh, you know, difference from the day you, from the day it's announced until the game is played. Um, the thing that that you have to realize with bowl games is they they all rate extremely highly. Um, you look at a Kansas versus North Carolina college basketball game in December, and it will maybe. Uh, get the same or equal viewership of the lowest rated college bowl game. So bowl games still do well. It's three and a half hours getting your brand front and center. Um, People have free time during the holidays and, you know, football is the most, most popular sport in the country and people like to consume it. Man, if I didn't know you better, I would think that you're pitching future sponsors for future bowls that you might be involved in. So (laughs) 24 seven. Yeah, yeah, it is twenty four seven, and you know, I will say with all all uh, the value that you can get as a brand by being a naming rights partner. Uh, last I looked, there's eight or nine bowls that still don't have a naming rights partner. Yeah, and there are a lot of them that deal with it at the last minute. And this year is a poster child for last minute creative deals. Jason Cole again with an interesting perspective on the holidays. We always thought that bowl games were special. Now we know why they may be having so much trouble, even though we think on a general basis there will be many this holiday season. Welcome into the Esports Minute of Keeping Score with Rick Horo. I'm Mitch Reams from the Esports Network. Every year, Forbes releases a list of the 10 most valuable esports organizations. They attach a massive nine-figure sum to 10 orgs as well as some added information. And every year, it causes controversy, mostly because of how the numbers are sourced. Basically, Christina Samiti, the author of the article, talks to a bunch of investors and team owners and they provide numbers. And while there is some viewing of these numbers with a critical lens, not nearly enough is done to outright trust the numbers as a true valuation. First, let's look at what the list said, then some of the issues with it. TSM is on top with a valuation of $410 million. Following them is C9, previously on top, now in second with a valuation of $350 million. Third is Team Liquid with $310 million valuation. Fourth is FaZe Clan with $305 million. Fifth is 100 Thieves with $190 million. And then it continues from there. That's the list. And it also includes revenue information, which shows esports orgs are being valued at about 10 to 12 times revenue in most cases. It also provides some information on other assets owned by the company. Enthusiast Gaming, for example, is 7th on the list, but is more a media company with esports on the side than a dedicated esports brand. Jacob Wolf, a former ESPN reporter who's regarded as a well-known voice in the esports business world, got in a public spat on Twitter with the author a few months ago. 
After this list, he said, quote, Unrelated to past beef with Christina, we've talked civilly since, but yes, the Forbes published valuations are insanely inflated. But it's not her or Forbes' fault, frankly. Teams are sharing valuations similar to her estimates to investors. She's not shooting in the dark. Many people have called esports a bubble, and articles like this go a long way into highlighting some of the potential for that. For now, esports organizations have confidence that they'll be able to adapt and find profitability, much like tech companies in the past. But how long investors will keep that confidence remains to be seen. That's all for the Esports Minute. Now back to Rick Hora. Let's get into the Lifestyle Minute. Enid Viana, lifestyle expert and wellness writer, the editor of two websites, the evsocial.com, covering entertainment, wellness, fashion, and travel, and hamptonsmoms.com, addresses all things family on Long Island's Magical East End. She contributes content to various magazines and websites such as Hamptons Magazine and Art Sugar. Follow her on Instagram, evsocial, and also follow her on Hamptons Moms. She says there's no doubt 2020 turned sports completely upside down. We know that. Current polls show half the Americans polled think the Super Bowl should be played with no fans. We just covered that. No indoor sporting events with fans, such as basketball, say the surveys. No matter where you weigh in on the subject, we cannot ignore that COVID has affected every aspect of sports this year. Never mind the no-fan argument. What about vaccines? Should LeBron and other star athletes get the vaccines first? Studies show many Americans, specifically African-Americans, are skeptical about the vaccines. If key athletes get it, would that make more Americans more inclined to vaccine themselves? Why or why not? Vaccination is very important, some say, and some obviously need more information. COVID aftermaths have certainly been felt in college football, where games are being canceled as local sponsors pull out funding. The postseason games canceled to date, 11 of them, and we also talked about the reasons. Well, it's no doubt this has been a tough year for the sports world and the world in general. We can only hope 2021 brings some COVID closure so sports can continue to inspire and unite us. We truly are all in this together. Enid Viana's inspiring words, and that's her Lifestyle Minute. Let's talk about tech, the Sports Tech Minute. New research has found that 77% of gamers throughout North America interested in attending an in-person sports event as soon as possible, despite the ongoing uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus, maybe in direct contradiction to the study we talked about earlier today. That study, this one, conducted by the Convention Sports and Leisure International and Esports Entry Advisory Group, found that 79% of event venues and destinations very interested or significantly interested in hosting competitive gaming events in the future. Only 17% of those surveyed have actually attended an event, and fewer than 40% of host venues or destinations have hosted esports events. The study also shows online participation is much higher with live events versus digital-only productions. Analysis of viewership data from more than 2,000 esports events globally revealed that in-person events generate 2.4 times more viewership than online. Evidently, these live audience events, production quality, and overall excitement of in-person events keeps viewers engaged. The surveys, which included responses from 2,200 gamers conducted in May and June of this year before maybe COVID fatigue. Well, the surveys say what they say. The interpretation, obviously, open when we talk about it down the road. 
Finally, good sports. As we get closer to the holiday, we'll continue to look at all of the issues. Colin Kaepernick have a new flavor from Vermont-based ice cream company Ben & Jerry's named after him called Change the World, according to Fast Company, W-H-I-R-L-E-D. By giving Kaepernick his own flavor and putting his face on the carton where it'll be seen by millions in grocery stores, Ben & Jerry's is telling the Americans still resistant, see, his ideas aren't so scary. Really interesting. 2020 also in the MLS awarded the MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year honor to Black Players for Change, BPC. Part of the award, MLS Works, the league's social responsibility platform, donated 5000 to the BPC. Baseball season ended in October, but player accolades continue. Adam Wainwright spurred many peers into charitable endeavors, championed and funded causes from clean water programs in Haiti to assuring people had full plates in St. Louis. They gave him a significant award along with his wife, Jenny. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported that Wainwright called it the crown jewel of any award he has received. Phil Mickelson and his family may have moved to Florida, but they continue to leave an important legacy in the Hall of Fame golfer's home state of California. The Phil and Amy Mickelson Foundation made donations to 14 Coachella Valley-based charity organizations, including a million raised from the PGA Tour event Mickelson Foundation. The Palm Springs Desert Sun talked about the American Express tournament raising money. He will raise money all over the country and world next year. Good for Phil. And finally, Tahoe City's Alpen Glow isn't just a ski shop, it's a community hub. Raised 300000 for charity during its 15-year history. The Speaker Series has raised well over a half million dollars. The tiny ski shop is a thought leadership group, and frankly, it's exciting to see that anybody can make a difference. The holidays are interesting, but we will continue with Ideas, not only holiday-wise, but also a look back to 2020 and a look forward to 2021 coming up soon as we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit Action Images.